We're glad you're here. Aaron and Josh, one more time. Say thanks. Thanks, yeah. They're going to be back tonight, 6 o'clock, and the price is right. Yeah, so uh, come and bring some friends, and it's going to be a great night tonight. And uh, I think you'll be blessed, especially if you choose to uh, bring a friend. A um, few things uh, that we might want to, if, you, if you're uh, one of our prayer warriors, write down a few things. There's a few. Uh, flowers here are from the Fosmore family. Uh, we had a funeral here on Wednesday. And uh, husband George, uh, uh, sister Jennifer comes to Walloon. And uh, anyway, pray for the Fosmore family. Uh, we found out Thursday night at the board meeting afterwards that uh, uh, bad car accident, 18-year-old uh, who attends East Jordan Community Church, uh, mom's active in Awana over there. It's the Clark family. Uh, last report I had, Jason said there was no brain activity in that 18-year-old. So uh, that's, that needs a whole lot of prayer. And then Casey, where are you hiding, Casey? There you are. Casey told me that there's a fire up at Boyne Highlands uh, this morning and uh, not exactly sure, uh, but it's not good. Uh, so certainly pray for the folks up at this is like the worst time. <laughs> is, is there ever a good time for a fire? But yeah, this would be an especially bad one. And uh, he's not sure if there were folks injured or not. So um, we don't always start this way, but let's, uh, let's run to the Lord. We've got some things that uh, we need to lift up as a church family. Let's pray. Lord, uh, I'm glad you're awesome and you know what you're doing because uh, quite often it feels from our perspective like things are out of control. So thanks for being... Uh, the God who uh, is faithful and, uh, and literally in control of everything, even though we don't understand. Lord, you take bad situations and you have the power to even make awful, evil things good. So thanks for being that, that amazing and awesome of a God. So we want to lift up some, some uh, situations to you. I want to pray for the Fosmore family and all the family and friends uh, that are missing and mourning Pam. Pray for grace and comfort and strength. And, and may even uh, uh, Pam's decision to stand up and uh, get baptized near the end of her life continue to uh, reverberate uh, to her family and friends, especially those who uh, don't know your son personally. So keep working there powerfully. We certainly pray for the Clark family. Can't imagine uh, having uh, an 18-year-old just suddenly torn from you. So, uh, Lord, we want to lift them up. I pray uh, for the church family over at East Jordan. Lord, one church, two locations. So that's a part of us. Give them uh, the strength to rally around that family and uh, give incredible comfort and peace and strength and all the good stuff only you have. And Lord, the uh, word of a fire, and uh, we don't know if folks were injured or, uh, or hurt, but Lord, you do. So would you even use uh, something as destructive and awful as a fire and uh, take that bad thing? And Lord, would you use it for good? Certainly pray for Casey and others who uh, are right in the middle of that. Give them wisdom and give them strength to be able to make good wise decisions. So come and meet us here today. We need your help. 
we're a weak and a needy people, and uh, yet you are mighty and all-powerful. So we're, we're glad that you're willing to meet us right exactly where we are. And it's in Jesus' amazing, strong, powerful name we pray all these things. Amen. Okay. We've got love like Jesus going on. I'm telling you what, it's catching on fire. Fire! That seems to be the, uh, the theme right now. <laughs> Didn't mean uh, But uh, so much so that I, I don't have time to uh, mention all the sightings, so that's uh, the bad news. Good news is you guys are getting good at watching for people who are loving like Jesus. Let me give you uh, two different people told of having to brave the snow and the ice until a Jesus-like driver had mercy on them and uh, has given them rides back to church. So nice going, loving like Jesus, taxi driver. And you didn't even charge. So uh, you know who you are, and uh, well done, well done. Uh, second report, I thought this was an interesting one. A member of the church family here at Walloon, uh, they were uh, getting ready. The, uh, the uh, items had already been scanned at the checkout at the supermarket. And suddenly, uh, a member of our church realized they didn't have money or credit card or checks. Uh, when, behind, a total stranger came to the rescue and willingly paid for the groceries. And then, uh, when this member went to repay, realized this person was not like well-to-do. They were living in very modest rental and... Uh, just wanted to say, here's the good news. Even folks outside this church family are uh, loving like Jesus around us. Isn't that good to hear? Yeah, I like that. Third sighting of loving like Jesus is a group of ladies who regularly gather to serve the Walloon Lake Church. And, I, and that could be a lot of folks, but this one said at short notice, they're willing to give of their time, their energy, and they're willing to help out, and they come and they laugh a lot, and there's a lot of joy in serving together the church family here at Walloon. So, uh, well done, laughing and serving ladies. Appreciate you loving like Jesus so well. Fourth report uh, is uh, someone wanted to tell about their small group leader who loves them and effectively leads their group. This person is caring and kind and giving to her group. Uh, and as I thought about that, sounds an awful like lot like Jesus when he was here on earth, and he was effectively loving and leading and caring and uh, giving, giving good leadership. So uh, small group leader, don't you, don't you agree, Cal? Well done, huh? Yeah, that's a nice, good report. And the fifth and final report today, this is from a teacher of preschoolers, okay? And the teacher wanted to say thank you to a student, one of uh, the preschoolers. So that's that's a little one, and this teacher said, uh, this student, every time I'm not here, writes me notes, I miss you, quick to give me hugs, quick to give me acts and words of encouragement and kindness, and uh, it's kind of fun when the little ones lead us, don't you think? So uh, we've got even our little preschoolers who are loving even their teachers like Jesus. So uh, well done, little one. Keep loving like Jesus. We are in week number 13. Can you believe it? 13 in our journey through God's book. We're going from Genesis to Revelation in 
31 Sundays. And here's the idea. We want you to get the flow of God's story. We, we started with creation, and then we had the fall, and, and how is God going to get us restored back to himself? And we've been reading about how God has chosen to use a people, the nation of Israel, and out of this chosen people will come the Messiah, the Savior, who will come and uh, make freedom from sin and offer broken sinners like us salvation and eternal life through himself. Uh, so uh, the creator and the sustainer of the cosmos says, you can have a relationship with me, eternal life with me. And next Sunday, the children's Christmas program is going to celebrate that. God with skin on, breaking through and into his creation. And next Sunday, we're going to have the, the kids up here. There's going to have a, 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 a nice Christmas program and... Uh, you don't want to miss it. There's going to be a very special uh, preacher here, and he's going to do a wonderful job, and you know him well, and you can pray for Pastor Chad, his very first sermon ever. So it's going to be, man, is it going to be powerful, don't you think? Yeah. That's another thing to pray for. Pray for Chad. Pray for Stacy. Pray for the kids. Yeah, it's going to be a good Sunday, don't you think? Yeah. We're in the book of First Kings today, so if you have your Bible... Turn there, First Kings, uh, page 175, if you have the story here. Here's what I want to know. How many of you are still keeping up with the story pretty well? Doing pretty good, okay? I'll let you def define pretty good. Come on, one more time. Show me. Yeah, I'm looking around now. Nice job. There's actually a majority of you. Keep up the good work. Don't quit now, okay? Don't quit now. We are in First Kings chapter one to begin, David is old and ailing and frail. The question in the royal court is, who will be the next king? Who's going to be the next king? David's old and ailing and frail. First uh, Chronicles twenty-two nine, Jehovah had already told David, your successor as king is your son Solomon. He's going to be the next king. Uh, however, David's second oldest living son, uh, what happened to the oldest son? His name is Absalom. And if you read in 2 Samuel chapter 18, there's this donkey and he's running. He he'd rebelled against his father, tried to overthrow his father, really sort of did. Now they're after him. He's on the donkey. He's got big hair. What happens with his hair? Anybody remember? He kind of gets stuck. Yeah, he, is, he gets caught uh, with his hair in a tree, and then uh, it's bad. Spears everywhere. So anyway, Absalom dies. Second oldest living son is Adonijah. That's here, 1 Kings chapter 1. Um, and it says, verse 6, look at it. Uh, Adonijah was very handsome. Very handsome. Does, does God's word ever exaggerate? This guy was very handsome, okay? So he looked the part. He looked like he belonged being the next king of Israel. Uh, and then in chapter 1 and verse 5, Adonijah announces to everybody, I will be king. So Adonijah was exalting himself for the job. 
uh, self-promoter, I will be king. I'm going to be the next king. Uh, and the thing that we can learn from Adonijah and his father, King David, if you have your Bible, look at verse 6 right now. It says, very telling, his father David never rebuked him by asking, why do you behave as you do? <laughs> why are you misbehaving? Uh, meaning he was never disciplined. Meaning Adonijah was never told no. Meaning Adonijah was a rebellious, spoiled brat. Tracking with me? Because he could do, he was a good looking guy, okay? And everybody said, wow, a good looking kid. And his father never told him no. His father never rebuked him, never disciplined him. And can I just say, fathers, mothers, that's still true today. If you never discipline your child, if you never challenge them when they're doing wrong, uh, that still produces rebellious, spoiled brats, 2016 style. Okay, Still true today. We're going to move on. I'm tempted just to stop there for a few moments, but we'll keep going. Uh, he was indulged by his father, produced a self-exalting son. So anyway, chapter 1, let me, let's keep going. Uh, Adonijah is going to throw a great, a great grand feast for all of his family and all of the big luminaries, celebrities, well-knowns uh, in all of Israel. And he invited everybody except for his father, David, and his brother, Solomon, and Solomon's mom, Bathsheba, and let's don't invite the prophet, Nathan, either. So he knew who not to invite. He invites everybody except the ones he knows are going to tell him no. Okay? So he's got everybody there at this amazing feast, and then King David gets word. Uh, in his weakened condition, there's this plan going on, and Adonijah is going to anoint himself and going to grab a hold of the kingship. So uh, King David quickly arranges to have Solomon anointed and crowned as king of Israel. Kind of cool how it works. And quickly, now Adonijah is in the doghouse. If you slide down to the very last verse of chapter 1, uh, Adonijah uh, is caught and Solomon spares his life, and Adonijah crawls back to home in, in his shame. He, he just, he, tail between his legs, he crawls back home. That's how Solomon came to be Israel's third king. Kind of an interesting way to become king, sort of through the back door. A coup failed, foiled uh, from his big brother. We're in chapter 2 of 1 Kings now. Uh, David's final challenges to Solomon... First thing he says is, son, there's going to be some people who are your enemies and you're going to need to take care of them. You're going to have to uh, deal with these enemies and if you don't, it's going to be bad. Uh, and then uh, he, he gives a final charge to his son Solomon. Look at verse 2, 1 Kings chapter 2 and verse 2. Here's what it says. These are good words. I'm about to go the way of all the earth, he said. In other words... I'm about to die like everybody dies. So uh, be strong, guys in Bible study. Act like a man. Kind of sounds familiar, huh? Uh, verse 3, and observe what the Lord requires of you. Uh, observe what the Lord your God says you should do. And then he says, here's what he says you should do. 
walk in obedience to him, keep his decrees and his commands, keep his laws and his regulations as written in the law of Moses, do this that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you go. Okay. Live by every word that comes from the mouth of God is really what David says. Um, the best and really the only way to avoid wasting this one and only life you and I have. Are you ready? You, this is like something you should be like writing down in big book. How do you avoid wasting your life? Uh, how do I avoid uh, messing up the one and only life that I got? Here's what David says. Base everything you do on the word of God. Okay? That's it. Great challenge for us today. Just do, base your life, align your life with God's book. Because when we walk in obedience to the Bible, you're going to prosper in everything you do and wherever you go. It's just as simple as that. If you do it God's way, God says, I'll bless that, and you'll prosper when you do it my way. So the very best gift that King David could give his son, Solomon, next king of Israel, do it God's way. Base your life on the Bible. And if you receive it, Solomon... The Word of God will make you strong. It will keep you from wasting your life. What a great challenge for us. Base your life on God's book, and you won't waste your life, and God will prosper you. And if you don't, there's going to be trouble. 1 Kings chapter 3. Um, King Solomon begins strong. He's going to begin his reign Strong, 1 Kings chapter 3, um, and, and verse 3, Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given him by his father David. That's good, don't you think? He, he began by showing his love for the Lord. He walked according to the book. Look at the next part of the verse. Except, there's always an exception, right? except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. So he did really, really well, but he had this one area that he refused to deal with. Uh, the law explicitly, God's word, Moses said explicitly, when you find high places in my land, destroy them. The high places were the places where the pagans would offer sacrifices to their idols. Tracking? So this was places of pagan idolatry. Uh, Solomon didn't destroy them. Uh, he loved the Lord, but he also had this area of sinful passion that he refused to deal with. And here's what you need to understand. This was going to be his undoing. We're going to see that in a little bit. He refused to deal with the high places. He refused to destroy them. And in time, he actually joined in and committed idolatry in the pagan places that he refused to deal with and destroy. Okay, so you just need to understand, early on, he's doing pretty good, but he's got this one area he's not willing to deal with, and that's going to be bad. So here's the principle. You ready? Taking notes, write this down. If the Lord shows you an area in your life, some activity in your home, some activity in your life that is wrong and you need to deal with, 
and goes against Jesus and his word, if you don't deal with it, good chance it's going to come back later and it very well may destroy you. If you don't destroy it, it may come back and destroy you and destroy your family. Okay? We've got to actively find that area and with the Lord's help get rid of it. Uh, it could be a place that we need to quit visiting. Could be a place that we need to say, you know what? Um, that could lead to places that aren't good. It could be a cable channel that needs to be deleted. It could be a sinful relationship that needs to be ended. It, it could be a piece of technology that either needs to be pitched or severely monitored. Solomon said, I'm not willing to do that. I'm not willing to act decisively. And we're going to see, in the end of his life, it led to his own destruction. So here's my question. Give me your eyes. I'm looking at you, Balcony, right now. Is, is there something the Lord's asking you to root out of your life, to root out of your family, to root out of your home? Been making excuses? Been saying, oh, Lord, Lord, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll get to that. It, just need to know, in the end, it's that thing, if you refuse to deal with, it very well may lead to your own destruction. Refuse to deal with it today, it may be your undoing tomorrow. Now, I want to show you like the high point of Solomon. Uh, and that's here in chapter 3. Uh, he's kind of like at the zenith of his life, and the Lord offers to grant any wish to Solomon. You've probably heard of this section. It's kind of a nice section here. Uh, start in verse 5. We're going to read down to verse 14. And he asks really well, and the Lord rewards him. Would you stand with me if you're able? And let's read kind of like at the high point of, of Solomon's life. Ready? Let's uh, read out loud God's word. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, you've shown great kindness to your servant, my father David because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You've continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you've made your servant king in place of my father David. But I'm only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you've chosen, a great people too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you've asked for this, and not for a long life or a wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you've asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I'll give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me, 
and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I'll give you a long life. Let's pray. Lord, thank you uh, for recording and preserving exactly as you wanted uh, this very interesting life of King Solomon. Lord, uh, I, I believe there's uh, good stuff, good meat for us to grow from and learn from here. Even though uh, likely none of us are ever going to be kings or queens or royalty, Lord, uh, your word is active and alive. Lord, I just want to pause, and if there's anything uh, you're asking us to root out of our lives, anything that has the potential to destroy us or our family, would you make that clear? And Lord, would you give us the courage and the faith not to rest until we act decisively in faith? Lord, right now we pause, and may the power of your Spirit be welcomed into your church right now. May your word and your spirit be alive and active today in Walloon Lake Community Church. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with unity and oneness, maybe see. God was pleased to answer Solomon's request. What did he ask for? Go back to chapter 3. He asked for an understanding mind and a listening heart. He's probably in his late 20s here, okay? He says he's a child, and I think that's probably how he felt, uh, but he's likely, scholars tell us, in his late 20s, and he realizes for the good of his people and for the glory of God, I need a wise and discerning heart to distinguish, he says, right from wrong. Pause. Did, did you know the Lord still loves it? Today, Northern Michigan, December 2016. Did you know the Lord loves it when today we ask for a discerning mind and an understanding heart? He still likes it. James chapter 1, verse 5 says this, When we ask in faith, the Lord gives to us wisdom, and He gives us wisdom in generous amounts. He's not like, okay, I'll give you just a little slice of wisdom he gives you the whole cake when we ask and we believe. And he says, okay, I'm glad you asked. Here's the problem. At least this is my problem. Maybe you have a different problem here. Uh, but I get too busy and I get too active and too scheduled. And I forget to remember to ask for what Jesus is wanting to give me. That's my problem. I get so busy that, that I forget to ask. My prayer for me and for you is this next week when we find ourselves in a tight spot, when you find yourself uh, overwhelmed and pressed and pressured, that we might turn to the one who knows everything, right? Uh, he knows everything, and he says, just ask me. Ask for a discerning mind and understanding heart. Ask me for wisdom, for my perspective, for my mind on the matter. I'd be happy to give it to you, but you just got to ask. And you need to listen and then be ready to respond as I show you. 1 Kings 3.12, go back to the text. The Lord is so pleased with Solomon that he says, you know what? Uh, not only 
am I going to uh, give you wisdom. I'm going to make you the wealthiest, the richest man on earth, the most honored man alive. Now here I'm going to give you a little homework. You like homework? Only if you want to do it, okay? It'll be a blessing. Uh, read the book of Ecclesiastes this, this next week. It's kind of like Solomon's uh, autobiography. And as you read through the book of Ecclesiastes, you realize how blessed he was. I mean, God blessed, blessed, blessed. Uh, there in chapter 3 and verse 12, uh, he had the finest houses and castles. He had the funniest comedians come make me laugh. He had the greatest musicians on earth. Uh, Aaron, Josh, come sing for me. And they'd come sing all day long. He had the most gold, the most silver. He had the greatest herds, the greatest flocks. Uh, and then it says, in Ecclesiastes, he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. 1,000 wives. Frankly, I'm not certain how wise he was in that respect. Here's his conclusion, Ecclesiastes 12.1. I like this. He talks about all the stuff he had. He had the most pleasure, power, fame, riches of anybody ever. And here's his conclusion. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Before the days of trouble come, before the years approach when you'll say, I find no pleasure in them. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. In other words, his conclusion is, it doesn't matter how much money or wealth or fame or how much power or authority that you might have. If you don't live for the Creator, give me your eyes, if you don't live in fear of the Lord and choose to line up your life with His words, when hard times come, and when do hard times come for us? They're all, it's, it's, we're either there or it's coming. When hard times come, if you're not living for your Creator and lining your lives up with the Creator, you'll find no pleasure in life. Why am I alive? This is awful. Pleasure in life comes by living a life in alignment with King Jesus and His manual for life. And, and what's His manual for life? Hold it up right now. I want to see His manual for life. Yeah, if you're going to find pleasure in life if you choose to live it according to His manual. Don't do that. You're going to say, when hard times come, eh, there's no pleasure in life. Now, here's the irony of Solomon. He didn't listen well to his own wise words. Um, the place of idolatry I talked earlier, Solomon refused to destroy that. And it's going to come back and it's going to bite him hard. So turn with me, 1 Kings chapter 11. 1 Kings chapter 11. But just before we get there, if you start in verse 14, it's kind of like, wow, what a life. Wow, what splendor this king had. Received tens of millions of dollars every year. Tens of millions. Starting to run short, here's tens of millions more. Made common stuff out of gold. And uh, I got a shield, but I don't just want an ordinary shield. Let's make that shield out of solid gold. And then it talks as you read down about his splendor. Uh, he had the most amazing throne. They carved uh, 12 lions out of gold and ivory. The dishes he had, gold and silver, the goblets that he drank from. He had a fleet of trading ships. 
I, I think I want something from Africa. Yeah, yeah, let's go to Africa. Look at chapter 10, verse 22. It says he even had his own zoo. Yeah, I think I'll go and I'll make my own zoo in my house. And he was the richest and the wisest man on earth, 1023. Everybody wanted to spend time with him. Everybody really wanted to be with him. He had 14,000 chariots, best houses on the earth. Wow, Solomon, what a life. You are amazing. <laughs> now let's go to chapter 11. Here we go. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women, like a thousand, besides Pharaoh's daughter. That was the first one. Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, Hittites. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, here's, here's what God's command was, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Think how Solomon said, not me. I'll be fine. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. Uh, here, here's the total. Uh, verse 3, it's 700 wives of royal birth. 700 princesses, potential queens, and 300 concubines. That's like extra wives. They just weren't official. They couldn't be queens or princesses. And here's what it says. And his wives led him astray. Verse 4, as Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods. And his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord, his God as the heart of David his father had been. Verse 5, he followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely as David his father had done. You just read on, and it gets worse. Uh, on a hill east of Jerusalem, built a high place, for Chemosh, detestable god of Moab, built a, a, a pagan altar for Molech, the detestable god of Ammonites, who they sacrificed children to. He did the same for all of his foreign wives who burned incense and offered sacrifices to their gods. Remember back, first time that the Lord appeared to Solomon when he was in his 20s? Ask for whatever you want. What does he say? Um, I need wisdom. Give me a discerning heart. Give me a wise and a discerning heart. Um, this is the last time, at least it's recorded, that the Lord appears to Solomon. Look at verse 11. Uh, these, these are strong words. Since this is your attitude, and you've not kept my covenant and my decrees, which I commanded you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you. I'm going to rip it right out from your hands, Solomon, and I'm going to give it to one of your subordinates. The high places of idolatry, which Solomon refused to destroy, in the end destroyed him. Refused to destroy the high places, so in the end, the high places destroyed him. Now, chapter 11 and verse 42 says that Solomon reigned for 40 years. So he's likely in his late 60s, early 70s here. Okay? Got it in your head? He, he's late 60s, 
early 70s, um, and now uh, he's actually, in chapter 11, living in open defiance of the Lord. He's actually going out, and he himself is worshiping Chemosh and Molech, and, and he's actively worshiping the foreign gods of his wives. Now, here's, here's what's interesting. It seems that he was still going to the temple. So he was going and worshiping Jehovah at the same time he was worshiping Chemosh and, and Molech. Can I just tell you, that's just defiance. I, I love you, Lord, but I'm also going to have these extra gods on the side, and I'm also going to worship them as well. He refused to destroy the high places of idolatry, and slowly, slowly, stubbornness and selfishness and indifference and resistance led to contempt. And contempt led to active defiance. And here's what he was saying, I'm King Solomon, and I can do whatever I want, because I'm the greatest, most wealthy, most powerful, most popular man on earth. I can do whatever I want. What was his problem, chapter 11? He was finding his fun. He was finding his fellowship with his thousand wives who had nothing to do with Jehovah God. They didn't care about God's book. They didn't care about doing it God's way. And slowly, as he hung with folks who didn't know God, they were actually ungodly pagan folks, slowly he drifted towards defiance toward their foreign gods. And the Lord says to Solomon, okay, you might be rich and blessed. You might be the greatest king on earth right now. Uh, but God says to him, look at it, I'm the God of the universe. And right now you're not doing it my way. And now there's going to be consequences, Solomon. And I'm going to tear the kingdom from you, verse 11. So we close right now. How about you? Any small slivers of defiance that you've allowed to take root in your heart and your life, your home? Here's what you need to know. I think it starts slow. I don't think it's like he went from one day worshiping Jehovah with all he had, and the next day he's out there bowing down to Molech. It seems like it was slow. Started small, sin of omission. I'm not going to tear them down. Slowly, those high places destroyed him. Over time, defiance leads to contempt and bondage. Here's what you need to know, okay? You ready? Jesus allows U-turns, okay? So, so if you're here and you're thinking, yeah, I think I got a sliver or two, and, and I think there's an area... Uh, that I know the Lord said, I want you to get rid of that, and I've been, here's, here's what you need to know. Look at me right now. You can make that right even right today. Isn't that great? It's not like you're stuck. It's not like you can't do the U-turn. Today, Jesus allows U-turns. Can I hear an amen there? I love that fact. Because it's like you, you got to constantly be ready to do the U-turn. If you drift, if you stray, and if you don't do the U-turn, pretty soon that, that hole will turn into a stronghold. And, and we're saying, no, no, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to follow Solomon's lead. I'm going to do the U-turn. 
Let's learn from Solomon. Why, why does he have this recorded for us? So we can learn from his mistakes. And before we get to the point where the Lord says, okay, enough of that, I'm just ripping everything away from you. I'm going to tear it out of your hands. I'm going to start over with somebody else. No, I'm going to learn from that, Lord. And as you make yourself clear, if I need to do, uh, do the U-turn and run back to you, that'd be great. I'm going to do it quick. And I'm going to do it early. I'm not going to wait for 40 years of slow drift to allow it to accumulate in my life. Bow your heads. Shut your heart. Shut your eyes, excuse me. Open your hearts. Yeah. Lord, uh, would you speak? We know you're wanting to speak and that still small voice so often we don't listen very well. So we want to just tell you, like the young Samuel did, speak, Lord. We're listening. Thanks, Lord, for allowing U-turns. Pray for my friends, the church family here. If anyone needs to, uh, to do a little U-turn even right now, give them the strength, the courage. Lord, help, help us to act early. Lord, help us not to be uh, stubborn and selfish and defiant and hold uh, you in contempt. Lord, we, we want to do it your way. Thanks again for the example of Solomon. You can learn a lot from him. And I'm praying, Lord, that uh, we'll be ready to follow his example. It's in the mighty name of your son, Jesus, we pray all these things.